ESPN 1000 remembers Jeff Dickerson. Join us all day for a celebration of our beloved teammate. We are paying tribute to our late friend, the amazing, the talented, the incredible father, husband, just the toughest person you could ever want to know and the kindest. Jeff Dickerson, who passed away yesterday at the age of 44 after a 10-month battle with colon cancer. Uh, If you didn't know JD, you missed out on one of the really good people in the world. Uh, The sickening part of the story is that Jeff lost his wife to melanoma in 2019. Two years later, Jeff's gone, and they leave behind an 11-year-old son. So there is a fund called Parker's Fund. It's on GoFundMe. Again, I'll say it a million times on this show. We're trying to help this young man. You can go to my Twitter, at the Catman, Hoodie's Twitter, Danny's Twitter, Sylvie, Waddle, Carmen, whoever, the station Twitter. It's out there. And if you could help, a lot of people have stepped up from Tom Ricketts to the Blackhawks to Jeffrey Lurie, the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles, to the L.A. Rams, to the smallest donation you can make. Uh, And we appreciate all of you. Right now, the total is $375,446. So if you can give anything, even a dollar, it will help Parker. Um, We welcome in the voice of the Chicago Bears Uh, He's a wonderful guy, and he was very close with J.D. Jeff Joniak joins us now. And, Jeff, our deepest sympathies from us here to you. We know you and J.D. were very, very close. What are your first remembrances? (sighs) Oh, my gosh. First of all, condolences to you guys and the entire ESPN family. Uh, When you think about it, uh, the young man had a cornucopia of friends, and uh, it's being revealed as we speak uh, on every passing second. So, and to his family, the Parker story is, is one that uh, no one can ever envision. Um, and there's deep sadness there. Uh, but I'll tell you, I didn't know Caitlin very well, met her on a, a couple of occasions, but <clears throat> with JD and her and the foundation they provided for him and just the people they were, um, I think, I think he's going to grow up with a hell of a foundation. So, you know, my my earliest remembrance of JD, he was a newbie on the beat, right? So I think if my memory's right, back in '04, August of '04, we're at Western Illinois. Lovey took Bears camp there, and we were there for a week and a scrimmage against the Rams with uh, Mike Martz. And uh, Jeff was walking around there, and I, I don't know that I had ever met him before, but I heard him doing a voice. You know, back in the old days, we had the telephone, and we're doing voicers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, no no technology like today. And I, I overheard him being pretty critical of the Bears. And so I pulled him aside, and I introduced myself. I said, hey, you know, maybe you ought to look at it this way. And he was very firm as a 20-something-year-old. No, I think, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. <laughs> so I realized right then and there uh, – he had very, very big confidence, um, and our friendship really started from there. And, uh, you know, he he helped me significantly, boys, and this is the part where, you know, 
I told Zetterman this was going to happen because everybody who knows me knows I'm emotional. But he helped me through a lot of different things. Um, <clears throat> I'm kind of a roller coaster of emotions all the time. It comes out of my broadcast as well. But um, he helped me through some particularly difficult times just by listening and giving me some advice. So kind of walked this earth and touched lives in the simplest of ways. And just being kind, helpful, thoughtful, uh, empathetic sympathetic, encouraging, and uh, really from hello to goodbye. And I talked to him um, talked to him the morning of the Vikings game. <clears throat> Told him I was dedicating the broadcast to him. And we got to talking, and you know how he sounded. I feel good. I feel I'm good. And, you know, that's what he always wanted people to know. He never was going to wallow in any kind of his discomfort, um, mentally, spiritually, or physically, uh, whether it was Caitlin or himself. Um, and he was just going to rise above it and kept that positivity. And uh, I tried to lighten it up a little bit. I said, hey, these guys are pretty banged up. Uh, need some help in the secondary, knowing that my fellow mid-suburban leaguer from Buffalo Grove was a hell of a safety back in high school at Canusia, and he just kind of chuckled and said, you know, there's more to life than football. But, you know, that's made me do a lot of thinking because I put football first in many ways. And, um, and even in his case, you know, there were a lot I didn't know. I didn't know until a couple of weeks ago that, you know, or shortly before that game that he was in, in this current condition. Um, I go to Hallis Hall, and those who know me and me covering the team, I, I keep that door shut. I have a I have a booth there, and I just I'm in my own little world getting ready for games and doing sports or whatever. And so you forget about these things. But I just want to tell you another story. <clears throat> a friend of mine from the Baltimore Ravens, his name is Kevin Burney. He was a wrestler at Marquette, and uh, – he was a PR executive with the Ravens, and uh, he was close with Al McGuire. So he, he told me the story years ago. He visited McGuire in hospice during the end of his life. And, uh, for the youngins out there that don't know who Al McGuire was, because i got to remember, Cap, we're getting older. Yeah. <laughs> uh, head basketball coach of note and uh, one of the great college basketball analysts and showmen at, at we've ever experienced on television. So he asked him what advice he could give to him as he continued his life. And Al grabbed him by the hand and said, listen, random acts of kindness, bro. You don't understand how impactful random acts of kindness are until you're prone and vulnerable. And Al's case dying. And what McGuire experienced from people in his final days, uh, it became clear to him that the most important and simplest advice he could give was that. And that, that was J.D. Boyce, as you know. The smile, the laughter, the hope. Everybody the same, and that's why I say some Parker is going to know that for perpetuity, and it's cruel, it's tragic, uh, a twist to a young life that no young life should experience, but he's got the foundation set by Jeff and Caitlin, and how to treat others, and what's important, and, and that's the grace and humility uh, bestowed upon him and us, uh, who all have had the opportunity to, to know him, and you know, it's because of him I love Prisoner Wine also. Yeah, uh, I just tweeted wine. a picture yeah. of it right now. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I I just regret a lot. 
I regret not taking more opportunities to spend time with him. I don't know how many times he asked me to come on over, and uh, I always had something else uh, that I felt was more important, and it was all related to football. So it makes you really process and think about where you put things in life. And um, unfortunately, we've all lost people close to us, um, family, parents, friends, um, and the older you get, the, the more that happens. But uh, for a 44-year-old man uh, with uh, a strength and wow, he's just powerful, man. He really is, and I think that's all being shown to. Uh, it's all being revealed here. Uh, there's not a person that isn't saying that. So sorry for that ramble. I had no. to get that out, otherwise I wouldn't be able to do it. No, we're we're glad that you stopped in, Jeff, to talk about it because this is what we've been doing all day here at ESPN 1000, just having memories, and a lot of them really great memories for a great person. Absolutely, uh, and, and a great talent, too. Um, that, that also, you know, is secondary, obviously, to the person, but he utilized it in his best way possible, and as we've all grown in this business, the more versatile you are, the better. You have to be. Otherwise, you're not going to survive. You have to adapt. And uh, he was an excellent writer. And not everyone is that, that comes out of school thinking they're just going to use a microphone to to be in this business. Uh, but then he transitioned, obviously, to television as well and, and did a great job. He could have done anything. And he loved it. He, he loved what he did. And he loved football. And um, we had so many conversations he, you know, I basically, uh, during the football season, pre-COVID, uh, you know, that was home for me. I, I, I was always there early and stayed there late. And somehow there were times when he beat me there. So we'd have a lot of quiet time to talk about about a lot of different things. So, But he, he's always trying to keep you up. And, uh, you know, it's it's just a gift. He was a gift. We wish you and your family the best. Again, our deepest sympathies to you and the loss of your friend as we all grieve here. And keep doing what you do, man. People love hearing you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, guys, uh, again. And uh, thanks for doing this. And thanks to everybody who's weighing in. And, uh, you know, we, we, uh, he, his light will live with us forever. So God bless, everybody. God bless. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks, guys. We'll Appreciate see you. It. There he is, Jeff Joniak, the fine voice of the Chicago Bears uh, on their flagship station. So, J.D. and I were, you know, when you're on the network side working at ESPN Radio, you, you're a bobblehead. You say yes to any shift. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Because mm-hmm. it was, kept no matter how many hours, how many years you put into the business, when you go to somewhere different, you, it's almost like starting over, right? Correct. So just working nationally in the ESPN radio, they say, okay, so we need you to do a show on the 4th of July. And at, during that time, it was the NBA trade deadline. Oh, mm-hmm. no, no, free agency. Free mm-hmm. agency for the, for the NBA. Mm-hmm. So it's like an easy shift, right? You the know? beginning of July. Yeah. yeah. Like, so in this situation, it was the 4th of July. Cap, it's easy, right? Mm-hmm. You get your holiday pay, time and a half, whatever the network gives you. You work an easy 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. shift, and you can be with your family after 2 o'clock, right? Because you rationalize this in your mind. Mm-hmm. If you're going to work the holiday, it's like, yeah, you know, I'll be able to work this time and then be able to have this time for family or friends or whatever. It's 11 to 2. It's easy, right? Until Kevin Durant moves to the Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yeah. Didn't see that coming. A three-hour shift, Cap, turns two into an eight-hour shift. We're on the air for eight hours on the network. Because they had moved everything out, the baseball that was supposed to be there, they moved the baseball out to have coverage. And guess who had to do that coverage for eight hours? J.D. and I. 
eight hours on the network talking about Kevin Durant. It was a big, it was big news, but they were like, you know what, we're going to move this out of the way. We're going to have this, you know, pre-produced programming. It's going to be you, you and I. You and I have to do it for eight hours on the Fourth of July. So no matter the steaks being ready and prepared in the, you know, in the fridge, and no matter everything to get, you know, the fireworks and everything else, work had to be done. And JD again, strong. I'm like, oh man, we got continue. He goes, you know what, buddy? We're on the, we're on coast to coast, all over the country for eight hours talking about Kevin Durant. He goes, what's the rest? What's the rest of the country doing right now? It's like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, it, you know what? Life is pretty good with, for, to spend Fourth of July on the air with him for eight hours talking about Kevin Durant and free agency. But that's that's part of our business, right? That's who he was? Eight hours. But but you know what? We had fun. That's what it's about. Yeah, so. and that was what JD always was. Three one two three three two three seven seven six Parker's Fund on GoFundMe. Follow him at Tweet J Hood. Follow me at the Cap Man at the Zetterman. And then ObviousShirts.com, our guy Joe Johnson, the owner of Obvious Shirts, has created a line of T-shirts and a really cool hoodie that I got. And it all of it, 100% of the proceeds go to that GoFundMe, and I'll get you an updated number on that uh, after this timeout. We'll talk to Roman Madrowski of ESPN.com next. As we look back on and celebrate the life of Jeff Dickerson today on ESPN 1000, please consider making a donation at the GoFundMe page for Parker's Fund. It is time for his two guys to share his game notes. No one in the media will tell you what happened better than my voice, too. Dan, is it me? Or are Dickerson and Hood on all weekend, every weekend, on ESPN Radio? Felt like it. JD and I working on ESPN Radio. Felt like that we were on all weekend long, but we enjoyed it. Um, had two shifts, Cap. It was one on Saturday nights where the whole country can hear us. And, and he would he would say, man, we got to be working earlier shift, man. I go, man, they can hear us in L.A. and New York, everywhere, right? And, um, and on Sundays, too. And so, yeah, we... Um, we felt some pride after Mike and Mike to be the longest at some at one point the longest tenured duo on ESPN Radio. That That's la- pretty amazing. That lasted for like a couple of years because all the changes with ESPN Radio nationally, and so it was it was us. It was us. It was Mike and Mike and us for like maybe two years, where we're the, like the second longest duo in uh, for ESPN Radio. And it's time. So, yeah, it felt like, Stu Gatz is right, it felt like we were on all the time on the weekends. But Was that longer than Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin? Yes, <laughs> uh, slightly. Slightly. Thoughts. So. Happy holidays. <laughs> Roman Madrowski. Uh, I, I can tell stories about Roman, but that's not for now. The stories that Roman's going to tell us are about our friend Jeff Dickerson, uh, Roman was at the Chicago Sun-Times, then he was here at ESPN Chicago, and then he got the call up to the big leagues in Bristol, Connecticut, where he is one of the higher-ups of ESPN.com, and Jeff reported to him. And Roman is kind enough to join us now. Roman, uh, our deepest condolences to you. You grieve like we all do. Uh, the loss of just one of the classiest gentlemen ever. W- what are your first remembrances of J.D.? Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I send the condolences back to you guys. I mean, we're all part of the same family, and uh, it certainly, you know, it feels like we lost a family member. And, 
I, I don't envy you guys your jobs today. You know, I, for me, it was really tough getting out of bed, you know, and, and when I did, I like went back in and it was like, you know, it's been, uh, it's, it's been pretty overwhelming, but, um, you know, it's weird. And it was the same way, um, after Vaughn McClure died where you see these pictures and, you know, it, it's the smiles and you, you know, you, 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 you remember that you remember, you know, the, the energy and, you know, it's like last week, um, in, on Facebook and in the memory section, a picture of, uh, JD and Nick Friedle and myself came up and it was after one of our ESPN Chicago Christmas parties where, uh, JD, Nick and I went to Butch's afterwards and had drinks and, you know, just seeing JD smile and, um, you know, it was really bittersweet because it brought back such a great memory of being with him and having drinks and, um, and then, but I knew, you know, what he was going through at the time last week. And, um, so like I said, it was bittersweet, but you know, it's, it's, it was the smile and the laughs and, um, you know, and the energy and the empathy. I mean, I talked to him last week and he was still asking about me and, you know, like, how are you doing? I'm like, you know, what do you say? You know, I'm having a bad day or something like that. And, you know, and he, but he was genuinely interested. That's just kind of who he was, you know, I mean, he, uh, and that's the way he was to the end. And even like saying those words are tough and using past tense with some of this has been really tough. So, yeah, I mean, for all of us, for everybody, uh, that, that he touched, I mean, it's, it's been a tough, it's been a tough stretch couple of years actually yeah, it has been roman um i'll tell you that you definitely made him better and the reason why is because we had conversations about you and the desk and the things that you wanted to, out of him and the work that he had to put in i just want you to know that he spoke highly of you and just like man i can't believe i got to do this extra work but it really made him better as a writer he was already solid but it's just specific things i know that you wanted from him and the bears beat and I know that he enjoyed it and to be able to lay that out and have readers being able to see what he wanted to, you know, what was going on with the Bears. So I just want to put that out there for you as well. Well, I mean, I appreciate that. And, you know, sometimes the editor and writer relationship can, you know, it can get contentious. It's going to it at times. It's, there's just no way around it. But, you know, we, we were always friends first and foremost. And, you know, when I was the first editor when we launched ESPN Chicago back in 09. That was the year they traded for color. It was a big year for the Bears. Mm-hmm. And it was a transition for all the radio reporters to suddenly become writers as well. You know, we had Bruce. We had Jesse. Um, we had several radio reporters who suddenly had to, you know, use the printed word. And I, I thought J.D.'s transition was seamless. And one of the reasons was because he was able to take that style he had on the radio and and bring it to the printed word. And that's not as easy as it sounds, believe me. I, it's, it's very difficult. But he broke stuff down on the radio, you know, analytically, but he would also bring his perspective and opinion. And he did the same thing with us. And um those always trafficked well those stories for us always did good traffic because he always knew what the fans were kind of talking about and had his finger um on the pulse and you know his radio chops i thought helped him a lot with his interviewing you know as a reporter you know he was never shy about asking the tougher questions at press conferences and you know not every reporter is comfortable with that and jeff would and and i always I thought for the most part, he would always get answers to those questions because I think the people for the most part knew he was fair. And, um, you know, so I, I, it was a positive experience, but yeah, I mean, there, 
he was great to work with as an editor and writer. You know, he I had zero problems with him. He had no ego. And um, so I, I appreciate you saying that, Jay. And, um, you know, it means a lot, actually. Yeah. We, Hoodie and I were both there last week at hospice. And it was Thursday. And we all knew where this was headed. When you walked in and you saw his skin color, you knew where this was headed. And I asked him how he's doing. I'm fine. I just got to get to the 28th. I got another chemo. Yeah. I'm going to beat this. Let's talk about the Bears. Yeah. And his positive outlook will be something that I will carry with me forever because I could not believe how upbeat that guy was. I mean, the courage you face with all of this, right? And even with Caitlin, see, I mean, you know, this thing with Jeff, like, you know, deteriorated so quickly. I mean, we went from a couple of weeks ago, him telling me I'm, I'm sleeping better, I'm eating better. Um, I mean, you still knew he he was sick with a very serious disease. But, I mean, Caitlin's thing was just, at, you know, what, seven years? And, and the courage he had there... You know, it's like there were times I just shake my head and was like, how, how do you stay upbeat? Now, you know, obviously, I think a lot of it was he, he was doing it for Parker. And I think I think that was the case when he got sick, too. But, man, oh, man, I just, you know, you try to put yourself in that situation. And I, I just I just like marvel at, at how he handled it, because I, I know I wouldn't be able to, to handle it the same way. So, Roman, we heard from uh, Robbie Gold earlier in the show and. There's something to be able to have that player reporter relationship, you know, and, and I think that they had that uh, any, but it was one of these things. And you know, this as a reporter, as an editor as well, it's not necessarily you're giving up a source, but it's just context and background. I think that JD did that. Well, it wasn't for him trying to be first as much as it is just trying to be able to have the, you know, the real story and to be able to tell you, okay, this is what I've learned. Maybe not first, but it was just, you know, factual and laid out. Well, it was that your experience too. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. And, you know, he, he wanted the full context of it. And, you know, he wanted to be careful. And, and, you know, the good thing about ESPN, too, is, you know, we want to be right, even if we're second as opposed to first and wrong. And, and I think Jeff subscribed to that. And, and he did. And, you know, and, and I thought he was he was very fair as, as a writer and, I think that's why uh, that's why guys like Robbie, you know, were, were able to relate to him and, and talk to him, and not worry that you know he was going to take him off the record or, or any you know report things that you know Robbie didn't feel comfortable with. So yeah, that was definitely my uh, experience with Jeff as well. Roman, we appreciate you taking time for us. It's a tough day for everybody, but uh, that's what JD deserves—a tribute all day long. Not many people get that, and he deserved it. Absolutely, guys. I, I appreciate you having me on. Anytime uh, you want to talk about that guy, you know, I'm here for it. Appreciate you. Have a, have a healthy New Year. All right, guys. Thank you, Roman. Roman Madrowski, who is one of the, I think he's the managing editor at ESPN.com, and he was the man that Jeff Dickerson reported to uh, as he went through his time there writing for ESPN.com and NFL Nation and the Bears Nation reporter. So I don't know if you've seen this over the last hour plus, uh, Cap, but we see that, you know, I remember Vaughn McClure, like you remember Vaughn McClure, you know, covering mm-hmm. Chicago sports. And 
I remember sitting next to him at Caitlin Dickerson's funeral, mm-hmm. and he was just, he was a mess. And I think all of us was because we felt bad for Jeff, felt bad for Parker again, you know, and obviously just all of the hours and the days, the months that JD spent with Caitlin just trying to find the right treatment, trying to keep her alive, right? And I remember sitting next to Vaughn, and it was shocking to learn that Vaughn McClure passed away. And so I think what has, I've seen this several places now that the foundation from Vaughn McClure now is the McClure Dickerson Foundation. They've added JD to that. So it's now it's the Vaughn McClure Jeff Dickerson Foundation. And I know that there's links out there, but I, I just, those are two good guys and two good friends, by the way, too. Yeah, McClure they were and both Dickerson. great. They, they knew each other very well. And so I think it's cool that they've renamed the McClure Foundation, the, the McClure Dickerson Foundation. Now, now they'll always be together for a common cause. Yeah, I remember Vaughn distinctly every week on Sports Talk Live. He was one of our guests and always fun and outgoing. And then he lost, I think, his dad and then he lost his mom. And then last year we learned that he died at the age of 48. Mm-hmm. And now we lose JD at the age of 44. It is horrific. Yeah, it is. Um, it's devastating. And Cap, it's not. It's we we know people mean well when they say, "Well, we're sending you good vibes and we're sending you prayers." And you know, sorry for your loss. It's not. It's not our loss at ESPN 1000. It's our loss. It's everyone's loss. The guy worked hard, and again, at very un, a very hard circumstances. You're trying to get your wife well, and then you become sick, and you get cancer, and you're still working through it, right? That's the other thing, too, is like, don't tell anybody. And he says, I'm going to keep working through it until he just could not. But he all the way to the end, he was trying to work. And so I'll always remember my old partner and my friend for continuing to just persevere and be defiant at the same time. These get doctors don't know me, Cap. Could they don't know me? You know what? They say I'm going to die at this particular time, but you know what? I'm going to make it through Christmas. And I don't know if he told you this. He told me. He said, "You know, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news." And he just laid out the whole thing where um, the treatment can't save his life. It's like bad news for me. Like he he felt bad for having to tell this to me. And it's like, and that's who JD is, right? Mm-hmm. That's who that's. I say is because it's hard to talk about him in the past tense. It is very well said. Uh, again, the Parker Fund on GoFundMe uh, is over three hundred and eighty thousand dollars right now, and that's just a far cry from where it needs to be. This kid is eleven years old and has lost both his parents in the last two years to cancer. If you can help, whether it's five dollars, whether it's a huge donation, Jeffrey Lurie, as we said, the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles, gave ten grand. Tom Ricketts gave five grand. Uh, there's the Blackhawks, another five grand. Um, somebody else donated sixty thousand dollars, matching dollars for the first sixty. They gave another sixty, uh, and they did it anonymously. So, a- as you go about your day, it's on our Twitter feed at the Catman, at Tweet J Hood, at D Zetterman, at Waddle and Sylvie, at T Waddle eighty seven, at Carmen DeFalco. The ESP 1000 account, all of them have the links. Uh, buy a T-shirt from Obvious Shirts with 100% of the proceeds going to that GoFundMe or go right to the GoFundMe like so many have done. There are over 6,800 donations, and it's at $384,000 right now. If you can help, we would 
Really appreciate it. Uh, we will talk to one of JD's closest friends, Adam Hogue from the Bears Beat. Adam Hogue from NBC Sports Chicago is next. As we look back on and celebrate the life of Jeff Dickerson today on ESPN 1000, please consider making a donation at the GoFundMe page for Parker's Fund. Glad you're with us here on Cap and J Hood, a special edition as we mourn the loss of our friend Jeff Dickerson here on ESPN 1000. And the GoFundMe continues here for Parker Dickerson. And the reason why that we are talking about this is because Parker has gone through a lot as an 11-year-old, Cap, 11-year-old. Turned 11 on Thanksgiving Day. It's just they've gone through a lot with his mom and now his dad passing away. And we want you to be part of that GoFundMe as well as we have memories of Jeff Dickerson. I've got a yellow pad filled with uh, memories with uh, J.D. Did I ever tell you the story cap of uh how jd and i changed our names in phoenix I'm telling you that oh, story? I, you did tell me that story for those that's never heard the story so the final four was in phoenix and we're in scottsdale getting in an uber and we we're going to scottsdale and we're going to all of Marley's bars, right? Dan Marley was a right. great Phoenix son. And I've been there. there, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, he's got two or three restaurants in the area. So we go to Scottsdale. And um, <laughs> we go to Scottsdale, and uh, there's a lady that approaches JD, approaches me first. She goes, she goes what's your friend's name? And I said, um, well, why do you want to know? He goes, because I think he's cute. I want to talk to him. I said, well, I said, well, his name is Ryan. And she says, what's your name? I said, Scott, as in Van Pelt. I said, Ryan, you want, here's so-and-so. She goes, I really think you're cute. And J.D. was so repulsed. <laughs> he was just like, I, I, will, I will find the picture. I have the picture here. I will send it to you, Cap, to see the look on his face. This woman here was, was, was sweating because she had been partying half the night hair all over the place, and she just complete, just a mess, right? And drunk off her ass, right? And J.D. was just looking, just like, you had his wine, I had my crown, and we're just looking at her, right? And she's like, I want to talk to you. I want to I wanna spend the night with you. And J.D., you know, again, J.D., if I travel with him on the road a lot, J.D. always had the dry cleaning shirt. The shirt was always pressed well. Always. He always had slacks. Very rarely wore jeans on the road. But his jeans were pressed. Always pressed, though. And he would do it in the hotel room. We spent a lot of hotel nights in the hotel room because his Final Four, we'd share a room together. So he spent a lot of time with the iron and, and, and brought his own starch. He on- took a lot of pride in his clothes, especially the shirts with the horse on them. Oh. I always busted his chops that you knew it was JD's uniform when he had a shirt with the horse on it. Can I tell you, Danny, he was prim and proper, and he was prim and proper that night, and he did not like... The sweaty woman all over his nice polo shirt, his old polo shirt, and he was, and and so we had to change our names. Like you know, I you know that guy is Ryan. I'm Scott, and you know we're. She's where do you guys work? We're at ESPN. So I was Scott Ben Pelt for the night, he and was, he, he was Ryan Rossillo. Oh god, because they because they were a combination, as you remember, on the radio once upon a time. You do recall this? Right? I absolutely do. All right, so I mean, so I was like, you know, that guy. I said that Ryan, he makes a lot of money. You should go talk to him. Like, I heard that you make a lot of money at ESPN. I don't see you up there. It's like, well, there's a game on right now, ma'am. 
but JD was so repulsed. I'm, I'll find that picture. You will laugh because uh, I had to take a picture of this this lady that was just completely out of it. And, J- and JD did not want any part of it. He was very concerned that droplets of her sweat was on, on, his on, on his nice, not, and not just clothes. No, Cap, you're missing it. His pressed uniform. The pressed. The, the yeah. pressed shirt. That was him. That, that, I mean, because that's all, I mean, me, you know me, man. I just got in a hoodie, sweatpants, or, you know, just regular jeans on. But he had a certain look when he went out. He had a certain look. So that's, I'll never forget that, that we were SVP and I want to see that. I want to see if I can find that picture. Adam Hogue uh, joins us now here on our tribute to our late friend Jeff Dickerson. Adam was exceptionally close with J.D. Adam, uh, you know, we're grieving here. You're grieving there. But what are your first remembrances of your friend? Well, guys, um, thank you for everything you're doing today, first of all. It's been uh amazing to listen to it's been hard to listen to but it's also been uh, comforting to listen to as well you know i i always kind of joked around and i call him the mayor of vernon hills where he where he lived because um you know he's quite frankly a huge reason probably the biggest reasons why i live in vernon hills um because when we needed to move out of park ridge and find a bigger place to live he kept he kept telling me hey come up here come up here it's awesome there's you know it's a great place to raise your family. It's close to Hallis Hall. And, you know, he really sold me on it. And then, you know, living here for the, the last six years, it's like everybody in Vernon Hills knows who Jeff Dickerson is. Like, no matter who I meet, they know. And it's not it's not because he's the reporter who covers the Bears for ESPN. It's because they know him from the community, from Parker's Games. Um, and he just... He brought us here into this community too, and it's, it just was a big reason why we became uh, closer than we already were. Um, we, I would say, we were more like colleagues back then, and then we became really good friends from living close together, about you know five minutes away in different neighborhoods of Vernon Hills, and um, it just you know it, it hurts for many of those reasons. But I'm also so grateful that I got to know him and Caitlin. Um, as well as I did. And, um, you know, Parker's an amazing kid. I just <laughs> I just got off the phone with a mutual friend up here uh, who, because I wanted to check in on Parker as much as I could. And he's showing the same strength that he showed when we lost Caitlin. Uh, I don't know how he did it then because he was three years younger, uh, almost three years younger. And I just know because he's the strength, he's, he's – He's Jeff and Caitlin's son. He's going to be okay. Um, he's just he's got that same strength that they did, and our hearts break for him. But um, yeah, that's just those are my initial reactions right now, guys. Adam, what are your memories of just working the beat with Jeff? It's a, such a competitive beat. Everyone's trying to get a story. So, what are your memories of just working alongside JD, either at uh, home or on the road? Well, you know he he could just separate that so much I, I he when when you were in the walls of house hall with him it wasn't ever about work you know he was working and he was doing an amazing job because we all know how great of a reporter he was but you know the things we talked about uh if, if it had to do with the bears it was more of like a joking uh you know just having fun with whatever was happening 
the day. Uh, but, but most of the conversations were all about life and family uh, and high school football games, Parker's games, youth sports. Like that's uh, that's really what it was all about. Um, and you know, just being on the road with him this year specifically. Um, you know, we, we would always fly on the same flights together and um, most of the time try to stay at the same hotels. And You know, there were just little signs this year that I could pick up on um, that weren't good. But you weren't ever going to bring it up to him because we had what I would say two very serious conversations about this whole thing this year. One was at the very start um, when he told me, straight up he said if you google this it's not good it it doesn't have a good ending but he kept saying that's not me i'm going to beat this i don't have a choice because in his mind he had to beat it um for parker and so as when he wanted to talk about it he would bring it up and he would he would subtly let me know um when he wasn't feeling well uh one of the things I keep going back to was this event for the Vaughn McClure Foundation, which is now the Vaughn McClure and Jeff Dickerson Foundation in October and ESPN. Uh, I mean, what an amazing gesture by them flying in all of the NFL Nation reporters to come to this thing at Lincolnshire. And it was so important to J.D. as the host. Um, and man, guys, I'm telling you, he was not feeling well that day. And I don't know how many people in that room knew it. I kept checking in on him. His neuropathy that he was dealing with was getting really bad. And um, he just fought through it, man, because that's what he did. He just, he was so damn strong. And I keep thinking about that night because here he is, you know, doing this for Vaughn, doing this for that foundation that he was pouring his heart and his energy into. And I don't even know how many people in that room realized what he was, what he was dealing with. And, Oh uh, man, it's just, but that's, that's one of the best stories I can relate. Cause that's, that's really what he was all the way to, to the very end. He was just, he was going to fight it. And that was my last conversation with him. I didn't say goodbye. I knew it was the last time I was going to see him, but I didn't say goodbye. I just said, I'm going to see you when I get home from Seattle. Um, because that's what, that's what he believed. So I did my, as best as I could to always believe it too. Adam, he was a guy, as you went through, and we all go through things, and when your son James was born, uh, you had to go through a lot, going back and forth, hospital to cover the team, back to the hospital where your wife was, to finally getting home and then moving everybody up to Vernon Hills. But J.D. was always like you, a rock. That's why you two guys bonded. Oh, yeah. Um, And... And, you know, the amount of times I would just bring James over there to, to the house, uh, you know, even this summer, just come by. And part of the reasons why uh, I'm, it just hurts so much. And it, Parker, Parker has been, Parker is such a good kid, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, I, I'm sorry, I knew this was going to happen, but he has, 
you know, he's three years older than James, and he just every time we go over there, he just takes James under his wing. They they live right on a golf course. They you know they run out there with their putters and and he just I wouldn't have to worry about him for a while. They just he, whether it's baseball, golf, whatever they're doing. Um, and then we could just sit by the the patio that he's been this damn patio he's been working on forever and was still finishing up. He, he still has a heat lamp in his garage. It's not put together. Um, <laughs> and it, it, uh, uh, man, it just, it, it just, there's a lot of good memories though. And, and, but that relationship that, uh, that Parker has with James is still so important to me. And, uh, and I just, you know, kids are, there's nothing we do, but it's more important than our kids in life. And of all the great things that are being said about JD and they're all true. None of it's fluff at all. Just the, he was such a good father all the way to the end. He just was not going to give up because of Parker. And um, that that's, that's his legacy. Thank you for your time, Adam. Keep doing great work. I'll see you over at TV. And, uh, again, thanks for sharing your friendship with us. Adam, thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you. Adam Hogue from NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, the Parker Fund. On GoFundMe, we'll give you an update after the timeout, and you could donate. Just go to Hoodie's Twitter, at TweetJHood, or mine, at the Catman or Danny Zetterman's, at DZetterman, uh, and you can find a link right there. It's amazing what the community is doing to help Parker's future. And then Obvious Shirts and Joe Johnson, just go to ObviousShirts.com, and you can buy a Jeff Dickerson shirt or hoodie, and 100% of the proceeds go to that GoFundMe. Uh, we'll talk to Jason McKee, former Bears fullback at 3, and Rob Domovsky at 3.35. Freddie Hubner's in at 4, Black and Abdallah at 6. We'll be right back. ESPN 1000 remembers Jeff Dickerson. Join us all day for a celebration of our beloved teammate. We continue here in our tribute to our late teammate, our dear friend, Jeff Dickerson. Again, if you would like to make a donation, you know, if you don't know the story, it's going to be a gut punch to you. Jeff lost his wife, Caitlin, two years ago. They have a son, 11-year-old Parker, who turned 11, I believe on Thanksgiving Day, I heard Carmen say. Uh, Parker's a outstanding athlete he's on all the different travel teams i got one of the i'm so thankful jeff called me last summer and said hey bro we're going to be playing on the field where you play your old man baseball you and brett should come over and watch parker play and so i did in wheeling and i stood there with him and parker lined a hit in the gap and jeff's like that's my boy right there and he's racing into second jeff was beaming and i'm so thankful that I had that moment to be there, uh, that he invited me. We turn now to someone who did the tag team, the uh, Bears beat. Michael C. Wright from ESPN joins us here as we pay tribute to our friend Jeff Dickerson. And Mike joins us here on ESPN 1000. Michael C., thanks so much for joining us. Hey, man, I felt compelled to call in because, like, Jeff is the best man I know. 
And I say that in present tense because Jeff is going to live in my heart forever, and just like he will all of yours. And I don't know. It's just it's so wild to think about everything and just the kind of guy that Jeff was, just a glue guy, just a guy that brought everybody together, man. Like, it's just crazy to think about the journey. And, you know, I was telling Roman and Keith Scarilla last night that, you know, like we don't say the things that we need to say at the right time. We always wait until it's too late. And so I said to them, and I'm saying it to you guys, because I spent five years working side by side with Jeff every day. Uh, my partner is almost like we were married. Right. But like you guys changed my life. And Jeff was a big part of that. You guys absolutely changed my life and taught me so much about radio, so much about TV, just so much about being versatile in this media game. And, you know, I just, I felt like I just had to call in just to let everybody know just how important Jeff was to me. Um, how many guys do you know? And I'm laughing about it thinking now, like how many guys do you know that can convince you that sleeping on the floor in his hotel room is a good thing? Like, right. oh, no, come on, Mike. It'll be great. It'll be great. Don't worry about it. It'll be great. <laughs> and, like, that's the kind of guy that Jeff was. I mean, we're in Pittsburgh, and, you know, I hate to – to knock the Bears at this point, but, hey, they dropped the ball. And so usually what they do is they have this block of hotel rooms that they reserve for the media, and somehow the Bears forgot me. And so, you know, it comes time to check into the rooms. I don't have a room. And Jeff is like, Mike, just just come sleep on my floor, dude. Like, it'll be great. It'll be great. Like, we'll, 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 talk, we'll talk Bears, we'll tell stories, all this stuff. <laughs> And I'm, like, nodding my head, like, okay, yeah, 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 let's do it. Let's do it. But that's the guy that Jeff was, just a special man. And, you know, like, you you go back and you think about those days, like, in the early days when we were just starting ESPNChicago.com and we were fighting for relevancy. And those days were just so long. I mean, we'd work 15 hours easy. And Jeff was always smiling, always laughing, always had a joke. I'm tired as hell. And if you walked with Jeff, if you just walked down the street with Jeff, you know the guy walks, like, super fast. Yes. And, like, I'm having to keep up with him because, like, we're, you know, we, we're having to, okay, we go cover a whole training camp practice and availability and all that stuff. And then Jeff and I have to co-host the show. At, you know, like 20 minutes from now. And so we're booking it back to his hotel room. And all the whole time, Jeff was always in good spirits, man. And the, the, the guy, you know, I just felt like he never had a bad day. And, and he was just like, I, I like, I, I can watch, if you guys are familiar with the show Ted Lasso, mm-hmm. that was Jeff. That Jeff was the Ted, Ted Lasso of sports journalism. And, and I remember a story, like, we were in London covering the Bears. They had just beat the crap out of Tampa. And we were all about to pull out of town. And Caitlin and Jeff are sitting there at the table in the hotel lobby having breakfast. And I crashed the party. And so I sit down with them. And the waitress comes up and she's like, you know, she's asking asking me about still water or sparkling water. I have no idea what the hell. I don't know. I'm a country dude from Texas. I have no idea what the hell is going on. <laughs> right. And so Jeff is having to explain. He, he told the waitress, no, he, he won't steal water. 
And like, and so I remember seeing Ted Lasso for the first time and seeing like a scene sort of like that where they were going about the going on about the still water and the sparkling water and just busted out laughing like that's JD. Like <laughs> he was a guy that had to explain it to me. <laughs> so that guy is just so special, man. So special. And you know, like he was just this family first guy and like I told you, like the, the, the days would be so long and so hard. And we'd have those days where, you know, in addition to everything we were doing for dot com, TV, our videos, whatever we had to do, you know, we'd also have the radio hit. You know, we have like four or five of them a day. Yes, which and, and which you had to, you had to be talked into. He had to talk you into that because he you did. were he you did. were not into the radio side. I know that no. for sure. And he had to talk you into, yeah. hey, you got to write and talk to the guys. Yes, yes, yes. But like, <laughs> it, it, but it would be this thing, like, okay, and I, I I didn't even know until last night that JD and I were are around the same age. I'm like a year and a half older than him. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that though because his. His maturity level was just so much higher than mine. Just you know, I'm hot headed. JD's a guy that has to kind of calm me down. Like we when we were on the Bears beat, I was the bad cop. He was the good cop. And like so, like we go through this stuff, man, and we talk about it all the time. And I'd be like, dude, like my wife is going to divorce me if I don't get my butt home by yeah. a certain time. <laughs> and he would say he would be saying the same thing. He's like, Caitlin's gonna kill me. And so we would always kind of cover for each other when we needed to. And, like, one of our things was just always family first, family first. And so there would be days where I would take all J.D.'s uh, radio hits. And on those days, I really realized how much J.D. did. Because I didn't know. You know, I'd be like, okay, yeah, I got you. I got you. I'll take your hits. And then next thing you know, I got, like, five or six hits that day. And the next day, I'm calling Jeff. I'm like, bro, I can't do this no more, man. I had no idea that this is what you were doing, bro. Just. Just a great guy, man. Like just, and, and you know, and the, the first thing I woke up to this morning after just a rough night, the first thing I, I woke up to this morning was a text message from the general manager of the Indianapolis Colts, Chris Ballard, who used to work for the Bears. You know, he was in player personnel. Yeah, and he just he just sent this heartfelt text message about Jeff, and just was like talking about how like, you know, um, he said he lived in Deerfield, and he said Parker was probably around one year. He wasn't even one. And he said he would run into Jeff all the time at this, the Deerfield Bakery, I think is what he called it. Yep. And he said that, he said, you know, I'd run into him. We'd talk all the time. He said, but the thing that I respected about Jeff is he never asked me about the Bears. He never was trying to get the inside scoop on the Bears. And that speaks to who Jeff is as a man. Like, he always knew what was appropriate and what wasn't. Like, he was always the guy that kind of had to reel me down. Like, you know, I'm trying to report some scandalous thing. And just like, dude, like, do you really want to do that? You know, like, he's just, he was like my conscience on that beat. And gosh, man, like I, like I said, I, I, I was worried about, like, trying to hold it together, talk, you know, on this hit, talking about Jeff. But, you know, that's not what he wanted, man. He didn't want any of us to feel sorry for him or to, to really grieve him. He just wanted us all to be happy and to do our job. And, you know, like there was just – that was just a special time. Like we had this camaraderie within ESPN Chicago, that whole crew. And you got to give props to guys like Roman Madrowski, Jim Pastor, uh, uh, John Roberts. There was just uh, Adam Delavitt. 
like those guys just had the vision to sort of put together this team. And like to me, thinking about it now, it was like a dream team. Like we just had this this great collection of talent, and we all liked each other. Like, bro, I see. Like I just saw uh, Nick Friedle. We were covering. Uh, we were chasing Steph Curry when he was chasing the record or whatever. So we're on the road, like mm-hmm. just going city to city, city to city. And every time we go out and have beers or something after a game or something, we always like had this long talk about everything we did at ESPN in Chicago. It was just so special. And Jeff was like the glue to all of that. Mike, we're glad that you stopped in and gave your memories of our friend JD, man. All the best to you. All right. Thanks, my man. All, all right. the best to you, Michael. All right. Michael, all right my Michael C. Wright from NBA.com with us as we pause now. Ten seconds for stations to identify themselves along the ESPN 1000 radio network. From the first Midwest Bank studio on State Street, this is WMVP WSHE HD2 Chicago. And we're back here on Cap and J Hood as we remember our friend Jeff Dickerson. Uh, by the way, the Parker Fund on GoFundMe. Again, you can follow any of us on Twitter. We've retweeted it. It is for Jeff's son he leaves behind. If you don't know the story, we've been repeating it all day. Jeff passed away yesterday at the age of 44. Two years ago, he lost his wife, which leaves behind an 11-year-old little boy with no parents. If you can help, please... Go to the GoFundMe. Uh, this little boy's got a long road ahead without his parents. He's a great kid. And so if you can, please give whatever you can. And you can also go to ObviousShirts.com if you want to buy a T-shirt or a hoodie. 100% of the proceeds go to that GoFundMe, which right now sits at $397,716. Uh, Jason McKee was a longtime bear. He was an outstanding fullback. He's a high school coach now. He sparked a close relationship with Jeff when he was on the team, and that has lasted all these years, and he joins us now. J-Mac, good morning, or good afternoon. I'm used to working mornings. Uh, Give us your thoughts. Robbie Gold was on. It was very eloquent on how he always trusted J.D., and that's how they sparked a friendship. Yeah, I mean, I've heard a lot of the tributes today about J.D., and, you know, as Everybody knows he was such a uh, such a pure soul with with a heart of gold. And you know, my first interaction with the JD was when I first uh, was actually my second year here in Chicago. I had the opportunity to be on a show called Chicago Huddle with him and uh, Ryan Cheverini that was hosted at the ESPN Zone back in the day. And uh, we just made a connection right away. And it started off with uh, you know me just looking up to him as a as a mentor in terms of media. Now, I love the way he, he presented himself. I love the way he presented topics. He was very knowledgeable about football. And uh, me being one who, that was my major in college, you know, he was one of the guys who I wanted to be like in the media world. So it started off as a mentorship that led into a friendship. You know, him being at my wedding, you know, me seeing him, uh, him and Caitlin at my, at my wedding, and then me seeing him become a father to Parker, you know, him wishing, you know, me the best when my kids were born. And that friendship evolved into family. And, uh, you know, J.D., as we all know, was, was one of the special ones who always looked out for everybody, you know, besides himself. And he had opportunity to spend some time with him last week. And 
it was the same thing. You know, he was worried about, you know, me asking me how my family was. And, you know, seeing his strength during a time, during the times that he went through was tremendous. Uh, he's obviously one of the strongest people that I know. Uh, one of the people that it was, it was truly a gift to call a friend, to call a brother. And, uh, you know, it's just unfortunate uh, what has taken place. But you know, I know J.D. doesn't want this to be about him. You know, he, he would be, and if he's here right now, as we all know, he'd be worried about us and obviously worried about, you know, taking care of Parker. So, you know, that that's my main goal now is to uh, to be one of many who's going to look after Parker. And uh, obviously memories last forever. And I have nothing but special memories when it comes to J.D. Yeah, Jason, when you think about J.D. covering the beat, what are your memories about him, that one-on-one relationship that you had with him? Because we had Robbie Gold on earlier, and it wasn't necessarily about him trying to break stories or trying to betray trust. He wanted to have a relationship and be able to have context. And so what do you remember as far as one-on-one with J.D.? Yeah, it was real special. Um, Obviously, being a young player uh, on a team that had so many stars uh, that we had, J.D. was one of the people who – you know, would always come to me after a game, would always text me after a game and give me an honest opinion. You know, hey, you played well. Hey, you you know, you need to work on this. But it wasn't just uh, caring about me as a player. It was caring about me as a person. And I think that's what really, you know, made me gravitate towards JB, uh, JD. And I think that's what really made our bond strong. I knew he cared about me as a person, and I truly, genuinely cared about him as a person. And it wasn't about football. I didn't have to have my guard up when it came to him whenever we had conversations, whether it be a text or via phone. You know, I knew that, you know, his, my, my best interest was his best interest, so I didn't have to worry about him trying to, you know, find a story or find an angle or a story to get out of the locker room. I knew his general interest was, was our friendship, and that really meant a lot to myself uh, and many others I'll speak for in that locker room. Yeah, it, it's amazing to hear, Jason, these tributes from people – that he had to cover, whether it was Matt Nagy today, who I thought was incredibly eloquent and first class, where J.D. could be tough. Hey, the team's not good enough. The offense isn't good enough. Maybe they need to make a coaching change. But he did it in a way where the people he covered understood. Definitely. He was always that way. you know. And I can recall you know, a few games where you know, I may have played bad or we played bad offensively. And, uh, you know, J.D. would be the first to text. And he'd be like, hey, you know, it wasn't like, hey, you guys suck today. It was like, hey, you know what, keep your head up. You know, I know it's a rough time and, you know, wish you the best. You'll get better. And he, he was he was that he was that's the way he was with everybody. And, you know, I really respected that and appreciated that about him. And, you know, I truly value the time that I had, you know, the interactions that I had with him. Uh, they were always genuine. He was always himself. You always knew what you were going to get. And, you know, he's just a special person. They don't make people like like him. You know, there's only a handful of people in this world like J.D., and he's definitely a light, especially in a world full of darkness. Jason, what do you think his legacy is? Um, I think he has, I mean, his legacy just, I mean, he was a father. He was a great husband. I mean, he was a tremendous father. And I can recall a lot of times where you know, I'd be at a youth game in which Parker was playing at, and J.D. would be off covering the Bears. And, uh <laughs> He would text me and give me updates on Parker. How's he doing? You know, I'm like, hey, aren't you covering the game? But I got you. You know, he he was that he was that type of person. And I think, you know, he he was such a tremendous uh, reporter covering the Bears for such a long time. And like Cap said, you know, he had a way of, you know, doing his job, but doing it in a way to where, you know, he wasn't just going to crush people. He was going to do it in a way to where, you know, he was going to he was going to give it to you how it was. 
but he did it his way. And, and I really appreciated that, uh, that about him, the way he went about his job and the way he really cared about people. We appreciate you taking time for us, Jason, and continued success to you with your coaching and hope your family's well. You're a good man. Thank you, guys. You guys take care. All the best. There he is, Jason McKee, who was a longtime fullback for the Bears. He's a high school coach, now high school football coach, and he is as good a dude as you'll deal with. There's no question about that. And, uh, you know, it's... You know, Cap, I was thinking about someone who's been on this beat for a long time in, um, in JD, work, work in the Bears beat. And for him, it was just never personal. He just wanted to make sure that he was getting the facts right. You know, in this era where everyone wants to have the, the number one person that has a story, that wants to break the news, JD wasn't that person, you know. And, and he, had, he was a really terrific writer. Again, I didn't know he had that in him when I met him on Belmont Avenue when we produced together. I had no idea that he could write. I just knew that he was a good broadcaster, that big booming voice, you know, and that the voice of authority uh, covering the Bears. But the writing in also was very good as well. There were sideswipes at the Bears, but they were truthful sideswipes, and rightfully so, right? And so, um, you know, he personally looked at this beat as something that was important to not just himself, but also the fans. I'm just going by relationships and conversations that he and I would have about how important that beat was for him to cover. Danny, you, you've been around J.D. long as anybody. I've, I've got a bunch of good stories that I want to share with you guys. I, first, I got to commend you guys for being able to do this because I don't know if I'm going to be able to talk about JD without breaking down and crying. You two, Carmen, Waddle, Sylvie, Meller, Jess, you guys, bravo, my hats are off to you to be able to do this today. It is not easy to crack a mic and talk about somebody you care so deeply about and do it in such an eloquent way. And I know you guys cash checks for being able to speak for a living, but the fact that you are doing this today, I, I, I applaud you for it because it's so difficult. We, we just talked to Jason McKee and I was laughing back here. And the reason I was laughing is I went with uh, Carmen and Sylvie and Waddle on Christmas Eve to visit JD. And Parker, who we've mentioned a thousand times, is a tremendous athlete. Now, I'm not just saying he's a good athlete. Like, Parker is a tremendous athlete, and athletics are definitely in his future, right? Like, mm-hmm. all, those of us that have kids and they do sports, you think to yourself, oh, maybe one day my, my son will play college ball or my daughter will play college ball. Yep. Parker is going to play collegiate athletics. No questioning. All, all from his mom, by the way. Yes. Yep. No question about it. Take so that. <laughs> we were visiting J.D., and, you know, J.D. was the type of guy he tried to disarm us right away. Like, he all always knew my first concern was when I found out about the cancer and how sick he was getting was what's going to happen with Parker. And he immediately, he's like, guys, don't worry. I have a plan in place for Parker. This is what's going to happen. God forbid, you know, I don't beat this, but I'm going to beat it. He's going to live here and this is what's going to happen. So we're sitting and we're talking and we're shooting the bleep and we're cracking jokes and all of a sudden JD's phone beeps and he starts laughing. And we're like, what are you laughing at, buddy? And he's like, I just got a text from Jason McKee. And we're like, what, what, what's, what's so funny? And he goes, he knows where Parker's going to live if, God forbid, something happened to me. And he says, absolutely not. That boy's not playing ball at that school. I'm going to make sure he plays ball at a school that's going to represent him the best. <laughs> and, like, Jason McKee and JD were arguing about where Parker was going to play high school ball. Like, it, it just, the fact that Jason McKee cared that much and the fact that 
that, you know, Parker meant the world to JD and that they, they were having that conversation. Like I sat there and I was so touched by, by that interaction with those two guys. Yeah, they were very, very close. <laughs> that's very close. But he's like, that's not going to happen. But see, but see, Danny, and it just, again, the JD that we've always known was the JD at the end also. Um, we saw him in hospice and... And we know that he didn't have the same booming voice as Cap and I talked about that. And I, I called you as soon as I walked out. Yeah, I. Um, and but Danny uh, told us about that, and I just know when I talked to him on the phone, he didn't sound the same, but the mind was still sharp. Right? Mm-hmm. There's things that he wanted to say. He finally was able to say those things to me, um, but his wit and just his opinion still strong. He still. was he was cracking jokes yeah, like we, we were sitting in hospice looking at our dear friend slowly fading away yep. and he was cracking jokes. He was still entertaining us. He was still making us feel comfortable. Yeah. Like when you walk into a hospice facility, you never know what you're going to see and what to expect. Yeah. And that first step in the door when we saw him, I was like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? And right away he disarmed us with. Danny, come, you know how his voice got Come give me a hug. Kind of like Seinfeldish. His voice would get high. It's like, Danny, hugs, hugs. And we hugged him and we sat down and like, it was just hanging out with JD. It was as sick as he was. And you could see it. It was that way. I remember when I walked in there, I called Hoodie, said I'm going up there. And I called him when I walked out. I was sitting in my truck and I'm like, just, I can't speak. Yeah. And then I felt like I had to call you, and I called. I think I, t- I think I called you. No, Danny. you called me. Yeah, yeah. We talked on the phone more in those four days than I think we have in the last two years. Yeah, you exactly. Because I. I make a point not to call. I always text. Um, but he, we were in the middle of this discussion about who the Bears' next coach is going to be, and then he closed his eyes and he had his head back, and I thought maybe he had fallen asleep. And his dad and I are making eye contact, and then all of a sudden. Eyes open, and he picked up the conversation right where it was. Yes, yes, it was unbelievable. Yeah, that, it was JD. Um, that's very well said, and that is exactly my experience as well. Where there was sometimes a rest period, and then he was able to jump right back in and be the same, the old JD. You know, being able to give his opinion, correct, uh, and his thoughts on things, um, which he did. I'm glad, Cap, that. Uh, my experience with him at hospice is there were three people that were there already, and then they left, and I was able to spend over an hour with, with my friend, just he and I, just in the room ourselves. That's what I got. It was great. Um, and I don't know who else was outside of that door, but the door was closed, and he and I, kind of like the shows that we've done over the years, I'd listen, he'd talk, I'd talk, he'd listen. It was just a great back and forth. Um, um, even though we knew inevitably what was going to happen, it was just good to be able to spend that hour again after spending so many hours with this this guy. It was so many hours on the radio and spending times at bars and restaurants with him just to have that last hour with him um, meant everything to me uh, to be able to reflect. And it wasn't about, hey, do you remember when we used to do this, that, and that? It was really about what's happening today. Yeah, that's what he was talking to me about. Yeah. Let me see. How many coaching searches have I gone through? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. wow. So, I mean, the mind's still sharp all the way to the end. It was. Defiant to the end, Cap. It's like, I'm not going anywhere. Correct. I'll go. I mean, hey, I don't know. Maybe I got more. Maybe I have more weeks. He told me. Maybe I have more months. It's like, I just feel good. He asked me the best question. He's like, why can't I beat this? 
Absolutely. Why can't yeah. you? And and he told us, and it, what's so significant is he passed away yesterday, which was December 28th. And every time you talk to him, whether it was on the that phone or the in day. person, he said, I just got to make it to the 28th because he thought he was going to get a chemo treatment, which unfortunately the doctors deemed too dangerous at his state. Yeah. But in his mind, he kept saying, and he said it out loud to me on the phone. He said it out loud to me when I was at hospice. I got to make it to the 28th. I just got to make it to the 28th. And God bless him. He did it. Danny, the first time he said that to me, I don't know, two weeks ago, I called you. I said, Danny, call. I texted you, call me. You called me, and I said, uh, okay, I'm, I just got punched in the stomach. JD just said to me, I have to stay alive to the 28th. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, I knew it was bad, but when I heard that, vo- the booming voice wasn't there, yeah. that was the comment. Oh, boy. But, Cap, that's our guy. That's our guy. He... he, he Asked about the 28th. He said, I just got to make it to the 28th. And he God, did. And God bless him, he did. He did. Uh, again, Parker's Fund on GoFundMe. Follow Hoodie at Tweet J Hood, me at the Catman, at D Zetterman, the station account at ESPN 1000. And you can get the link right now. Uh, the Parker Fund has raised $402,733. So thank you to all of you uh, that have donated. It could be 5 bucks. It could be, like Jeffrey Lurie, the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles, 10000 uh, And as I said to you guys yesterday, I got a call last night from a huge name in Chicago sports. He said, I don't want my name on the radio. I'm going to present them a check. I talked to my wife. I never met Jeff Dickerson. I'm in a different sport. What his son is going through and the kind of man I hear he is or was, I've been in tears all night. My wife and I want to do this. We'll be right back.